If you can stop talking for 10 seconds, that would be fantastic. You want to hit the start timer on there? You want to hit... You want to start podcasting, genius? Welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And and Joe, we have like a real guest today. Like, oh. like somebody, you know, we've had some great guests, and you know, lately, a bunch of great comics and stuff. But There's two AI guests I weren't too <laughs> thrilled about. <laughs> One of them was a real prick. Uh, but before, I, I'll tell you how this gentleman has crossed our paths. Um as you know, uh, you know, my wife goes back and forth. She works in Chicago now and then with a work family. And the last time she was in Chicago, there was, it just happened to be, she, she did a travel for this concert. Um, everybody who listens to the podcast knows my wife went to nine cities and four countries last year to see her beloved Duran Duran. That is her end all be all. This time she happened to be in Chicago. Depeche Mode was playing and some friends of hers and the Duran Duran universe said, oh, you're in town too. Great. Are you going to concert? Yes. Uh, and then her friends from Kansas City said, we're going to this museum that my wife had never heard of. She's a museum person. Uh, every time we go to Chicago, we'll do an architectural tour from the boat and, or a walking tour, go see the bean. Uh, but she didn't know about this museum and it almost sounded too good to be true. It's everything that she loves. Um, you know, uh, you know, more than her children and me and more than more than me anyways. Uh, and it sounded sketchy. It's like it's a museum, <laughs> but it isn't a museum. And you kind of have to, you know, know the secret handshake. And she's in the Uber on the way. And she says, when I get there, I'm taking a picture of the outside of the house. I'm putting my location tracker on. If you don't hear, because she knows the people in Kansas City, but she doesn't really know them either. She met them at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Duran Duran. They've been friendly on, but she doesn't know them that well. And she's like, this could be awesome, or I'm taking an Uber to my kidnapping. She, because uh, she's like, she's like on the the invite or on the list it's like oh it's byob but maybe bring something for martin and she's like who is martin it's like that's like wait is that my abductor is that the guy like getting my kidneys you know what is happening she instantly goes in and she's like jacques you should find out how quickly you could come to chicago this place is the most amazing thing and with that said i'm now going to introduce our guest uh martin um again thank you so much for being on uh thank you for having this museum that i'm dying to come get to and uh just say hello to uh you know my, my hockey friends in la who listen to every episode <laughs> hey how's everybody doing i i loved hearing this story i mean it's my intention with not putting any details anywhere was just to have this kind of you either know or you don't know and it, in in the in club business, it's called a velvet rope. You know, you can't get in. Everybody's getting in, but some people have to wait. You know, and we had a um, a delegation from the Icelandic government come in. Wow! And 
you know, they did Wrigley Field, Deep Dish Pizza, the Boat Tour, the Bean. They did some other stuff. And then the guy who was with them brought all 14 of them down to the museum. And they casually said, well, when when will the public arrive? I'm like, the, the public? The public, can't, the public can't come here? And and I saw they, they were immediately impressed over, over nothing. And the the uh, their guide was was elevated in their eyes because he brought them to this secret location, you know. And I thought, well, let's just keep it like this then, you know. And um, it's not huge. I mean, it's, what is it, 2,000 square feet on one floor, maybe 1,000 square feet on the other floor where the studio is. So it's not like we need to fill the place. I mean, it's easily filled. And um, lots of people visiting, and um, well, I like this kidnapping story. Oh, she she did. She's like, because we travel a lot. We you know we travel a lot. Um, she had a great conversation with you. If you don't remember off the top of your head, yeah, we yeah we live le- and, and and because because there's eight billion people on the planet. Allegedly, I, I'm starting to think AI's been around a lot longer. And most people are AI or bots because. We're one degree separated from everybody because you guys had a great conversation. My wife and I, uh, before we had kids and even our first kid, the first couple of years, we lived right at the Venice Pier. Uh, it was great. I can't say much how much I miss it. It, it, it. When I go to sleep tonight, I'm not on a hammock in Hawaii, like visualizing that. I'm in my loft in Marina Del Rey. And I would come home at like two in the morning on Fridays because I played hockey with the same group. Two, three years into living there, I come home and my wife is like, um, you don't know, do you? I'm like, no, what? She goes, we live next door to Johnny Rotten. And, and, you know, my college girlfriend, we always talked, if we had a kid, we would have named him Sid. Um, I, I, I literally, one of my kids, one of my kids is Sid. Is it real? Oh my God. But you know what? I'm bearing the lead. Martin. Why don't you be Martin? Why do you have this museum? No, Who don't tell us about are... the. No, yeah, don't even yeah. talk about the museum. Just dance around it for the next fucking no, hour. No, thank you. No, Joe. Joe. Joe's nickname is the Guardrails. I'm, really, I'm really interested in your sleeping arrangements in Marina Del Rey. <laughs> yes, oh, please. please tell but, me more. but the fact that I come home and my wife's like, "Your hero, one of your top ten heroes, like who's not a comic book character, lives, honestly, maybe." 40 yards from us. <laughs> yeah. I think we could call that spitting distance. Yes. Hey. And, okay. and Martin, you love this more than anybody. One, I only had one interaction with them. Only one interaction. There, it's, 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 it's an alleyway at the beach. So there's not a lot of room in there. I double park. I run my groceries up in that 30 seconds. I'm blocking his garage. And he is not happy when I come down and he is reading me the riot act and I'm so delighted if he was pleasant if he was like hey dude don't worry about it and I'm smirking and he's like what's so funny I'm like dude it's just parking anarchy oh you think you're cheeky and he starts screaming at me and I'm like if 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 I met my anarchy. oh, and and the whole time Martin, I have it locked and loaded, ready to go. You know, and yeah. I was just waiting. If 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 I met one of my hockey heroes as a kid and I meet him as an adult and he's a prick, it would sh- it would shout in my childhood. If Johnny Rotten 
was a sweetheart, if he was, oh, dude, don't worry about it, I would have been like, oh, yeah, well, Santa Claus isn't real. I, I, I tell you, people ask me a lot, like, is John an asshole? I'm like, well, let me put it this way. I spent five years of my life, 20 till 25 in pill, metal box, Parasol Promptomps was my first um, uh, gig, uh, you know, recorded for that album. Old Grey Whistle Test, the John Peel Show, uh, American Bandstand, uh, Flowers of Romance. This is what you want. This is what you get. Miami Vice, their biggest selling single. This is not a love song. I co-wrote and co-produced and I left. (laughs) Yeah, you have all that going for you and you're like, not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, yeah. How, what, uh, how did, why did I start the museum? So, just a quick, a quick thing on me. Um, started playing drums when I was nine. Joined PIL when I just turned twenty. I mean, just turned twenty. Um, five years with Pill, uh, then Killing Joke um, through the Extremities album. I also managed the band through that period. Then I did the Cage tour with Ministry, which is memorialized on in case you didn't feel like showing up uh or vhs tape and a laser disc um i started the band pig face which has about six or seven hundred members which include trent Reznor, flea i saw the list it's 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 insane i saw the list Um, and i was like wait is this real yeah and then i worked with uh nine inch nails i mean they had like a whole video and on the grammy award-winning uh song wish um, I have a record label, released about 350 albums since 1988. And now I teach, I've written some books. But so I am, I'm surrounded by just, just all of that stuff. Um, the bureaucracy, the cool shit that you would probably keep and the bureaucracy of all that stuff is a museum in and of itself. Like the meal money sign-off sheets from Killing Joke oh. in 1991. Everybody on tour signed the sheet. There's one for every day, right? The photographs, the scenery, the T-shirts. Why is my alarm going off? The T-shirts, all of it. The contracts, the audio archives, the unreleased material, the multi-tracks, the photographs. Just that alone. That would be good. And my mom would like it, but that would be pretty sad. That would be the museum of Martin Atkins. Let me take you on a journey, you know? Um, But what, what's happened that's really interesting is with the other bands that I've worked with, uh, Skinny Puppy, uh, Einstein's and Neubauten, Swans, um, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, all of the chem lab, all of this material has started to come in. And um, some areas of the museum, I might have two pieces out of 40 in, a, in an area, the skinny puppy section, for instance. But it's it's really deep. I think it's unexpected. And it's uh, some of the pieces might seem frivolous, but when you put 20 of those together, it gets rather weighty. So so I started to put this thing together two two years and a month ago. And it's exploded. I've been involved with, I've done some great work that just hasn't done anything. And I've done some shit work that's exploded. <laughs> um, and, and this thing, it's been surprising me for the last 
year and two months like well that was a decent week and then the next week was a decent week and then the next week this last week we had visitors from all over the world we had donations of uh ministry uh souvenir heroin spoons that's insane that's uh, insane so i guess um, what i'm gleaning from the, your discussion of your own museum that jacques didn't introduce I'm going to guess a walnut connect collection or some sort of. Uh, no, am I off here? Am I off base? I assume you, you're 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 the curator of a punk rock museum. Well, it's post punk and industrial. Okay. So it goes from I would say 1978, the beginning of post punk, till to pretty much now. Although the, the with everything going like this, you might have heard of somebody called Cynthia Plastercaster. Yeah. Are you familiar with Cynthia? Part of the GTO girls with Pamela DeBar. She would cast rock stars and my erect penises. Um, ah, ho yes. Well, hopefully erect penises. And um, so just one of a kind. She passed just over a year ago. And I, I have a fairly decent section of Cynthia uh, material. But then uh, somebody stopped by uh, last week with a poster a pig face poster that was on her bathroom wall so it's it's trashed uh, but i love it and then a sketch she did of the eye kind of the one quadrant of the singer from paul revere and the raiders wow who took her virginity oh and and, and then she for the rest of her life kind of obsessively sketched him and so they brought me this signed sketch of part of his face really nice she has a lovely signature so now unfortunately the collection goes all the way back to paul paul revere and the raiders <laughs> that, that's like 66 67 um, yeah. so Mar Mar i gotta ask you so i i i've seen it in person with other artists, somebody will have a piece of paraphernalia from their past that they've blanked on. So somebody comes in with a pig face thing that you haven't seen in 40 years. You might have even forgot existed. How absolutely excited are you that that person felt the need or that that was special to this person for this long? Well, it's, it's, that's happened a bunch of times. One of my drum techs, uh, my killing joke drum tech, Bart Flores. Um, I mean, we went, I used to, it was like a game. I would just try and destroy my kit and he would try and keep it together. You know, uh, it was, it made for good entertainment, I think. And um, he sent me a note. He said, well, you know, I am going to send you back the floating brass snare you gave to me as you walked off stage from your last show with killing joke. I have no idea what he was talking about. I, I don't remember doing that. So here's my drum that I gave away in 91. Coming back to me 30 years later, there's a, a T-shirt. We'll call it the fuck shirt. Um, Mark Durante, who was a guitar tech and uh, played guitar in the Revolting Cox and KMFDM, um, he... He, he sent me a bunch of stuff. He said, I'm sending you some stuff. I'll, I'll send you photographs, but I'm telling you now, 
the fuck shirt is not included. I'm like, <laughs> all right, dude. Okay, okay, the fuck shirt's not included. I want to see that on a box with a product with a little asterisk <laughs> instead of batteries not included. Yeah, fuck, fuck shirt, shirt not included. Fuck God shirt damn it. Included. I got to get my own and, uh, fuck shirt. And uh, so, so he sends me this um, a folder of photographs of everything he's sending me. And I see this fuck shirt. I'm like, dude, uh, I made that shirt in 1988. And I gave it to the guitarist in a band called Rigor Mortis called Mike Skasher. And he came on the road with ministry and he and Mark Durante exchanged shirts and they wore each other's shirts for the next several years. And then Mike passed. Oh. So, so that shirt became really important to Mark. And I just said, well, dude, I, I gave him that shirt. I made it in 1988 and he put it in the box and sent it to me. And oh. then I still had the screen with one fuck, one fuck, right? <laughs> and so I just, covering a shirt in fucks would take a day, and uh, which is fine when you're on speed and out of your mind. <laughs> and uh, so I went downstairs, I still have that same screen, and I made him a pair of fuck pajamas. Oh, so I what feel a like prince. We, we kind of even the, even the tables. So that, I mean, that stuff keeps happening. Somebody sent me a roll of, two-inch tape i don't know if you know what that is yeah well, yeah it's so thick i mean it, it's yeah. not only two inches thick but the like the the thickness of the tape it's it's right. almost like ma it's almost like duct tape level thickness yeah. yeah so and that's how we recorded music back in the day 24 tracks so you put the drums across six tracks and two tracks of vocals two tracks of guitar somebody sent me a tape 1989 and it says Martin and Bill unfinished song recorded at Chicago tracks recording studio where everybody recorded. We did an album there with Steve Albini ministry were always there. Um, and so here's a, an unfinished song that I didn't know existed that I need to archive so I can then listen to um, my deceased partner, Bill Rieflin we started pig face together. We did ministry together. Um, you know, th this stuff just keeps happening. It, 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 I mean, these stories are just absolutely wonderful. Before we move on, I did a lot of prep. I did lots of notes and prep. I did not have on here whether I was going to get to ask somebody who's a music professor who who's had an amazing career. Can you verify what uh, uh, KMFDM stands for? Do you yeah. want to take a guess first, Joe? What 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 rumor KMFDM stands for? Uh, kill my mother, father, and uh, daughter. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I do not know. The, the, one one verse is kill motherfucking Fuck Depeche, Depeche Mode. mode. <laughs> yes, you know? that, that's um, what I thought it meant. It's 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 something like kein mehr height for die Einheit fucking Einheit. It's like the the German phrase is no pity for the majority and then kmfdm because they're hilarious and german said no <laughs> no majority for the pity or something ah. which okay i much prefer kmfdm and sasha their lead singer once said he was asked in an interview uh about pig face and he said oh kill motherfucking pig face so, <laughs> so of course i made that into a t-shirt oh that's brilliant and yeah. did you have you worked has 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 some of what work have you done because steve albini is just 
I mean, a giant. I, I I don't think there's a band of note from like eighty to ninety that didn't pass some a product didn't pass through his hands. Right. Well, he's a giant. He's also like a crotchety granddad, you know. <laughs> um, but um, but I I love Steve. Um, I would so we did the pig first pig face album with him. Jordy, the guitarist from Killing Joke, and I did demos on his eight when he had an eight track studio before he had his big electrical audio studio. Now um, we did demos for the Killing Joke album. And now, so of course I, I kept the tape, but then I bought his tape machines and his patch bay and had his guy come over, wire everything up for me. So I have Steve Arbini's tape machines in the museum as well. And at some point we'll let people go down, we'll clone the Killing Joke eight track tape and we'll let people go down and, mess with the faders and do their own mix of something. Oh, that'd be amazing. I wonder because, you know, people find, you know, other bands and stuff like that because my career was largely on the other side of the fence. Um, I, I, I'm from the post-production side of uh, music and my biggest clients in the late 90s when DVDs came out, right, Napster came out the same time DVDs did. And the music industry's first answer to Napster was all the executives at all the labels were going to get together. They were going to lock elbows and stand at the down at the beach and try to hold the tide back. That that was their first plan. They, they were trying to find a way to get the genie back into the bottle. But then they ended up like, oh, these DVDs. And I, I produced close to 600 different and what universal did is like anything that they had that was on video whether i i'm a huge fan before before youtube came out i was lucky to work in an industry where i knew what the gray whistle test was and some of the shit that i would see on that and and we did we did a police collection and Stuart copeland was in my office and i i remember saying to him um Dude, it was so crazy seeing you play a stripped-down kit. And he's like, no, it wasn't a stripped-down kit. I'm like, okay, what am I missing? He goes, that's all I had. But as we got bigger, people just kept sending me different drums and different cymbals. And now I have a drum tech. Now I have two drum techs. But I, I was a small kit guy, you know, But when, when, when you sim. But it's like, but all these different formats – you know, and and these boutique places used to pop up because where do you transfer a two-inch? Like, like there's might be you might be able to count in Chicago within honestly a 500 mile radius between your house and New York. There might not be one working two-inch machine. And if somebody in a band from Ohio, you know, who recorded in like the late 70s, it's like, oh my God, I love I, this. Is not Mark. This is not labeled. I don't know what this is. We, we, we're going to have to go to, you know, Martin's house. And, you know, Martin, can we hear well, this? Well, I, th I think Albini does two-inch archival. Okay. Because for a while, I think he was like the last person in America to get Pro Tools. He just, would, <laughs> he just wouldn't do it. And uh, I think all of his staff just made him. Like, I don't know if he'll be in the same room, but he does have – I know he does have two-inch machines, so we can listen and archive some stuff. So you have – I'm sorry, sorry. Have you run these tapes or not? Or you just have the physical tapes, but you're not sure of the condition of the sound quality? Right. So they need to be baked. Yep. Right, uh, and by a professional. So I think I'm going to hand them off to to Steve 
and let him pull them onto Pro Tools. Yeah. And just so you know, audience, baking the tapes is a literal thing. You have to bake the tapes in a specific temperature because after time, the because it's tightly wound on the spool, you know, it could degrade if you just put it in cold through a machine. So you have to kind of bake it to loosen it up and get the juices flowing on the audio. Right. And hey. good point. I think the oxide, if you don't bake it, the oxide might sh shed. Yes. So you just... What's that dust? That's the fucking Beatles album, you <laughs> asshole. You know, but I, I'm I'm thinking, I want to do a podcast and go. I've, we're restoring these tapes, and here we are. Mm -hmm. you know? So let's put the tape in the oven, and we've got to set the timer, and then we'll start talking yes. about this and that and this and that, and then there's like smoke behind me, and like. Oh no, we've destroyed, you know. Oh. Like. Well, I mean, the scary thing is when they did, and it's not the same, but it is when they did uh, the George Clooney movie where he's a singer in the 30s. Oh, brother. Oh, we're oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they, all that music was from that time, but the breakage, like when they, when they took it out of the vault, and it's been climate control for all these decades. But when they had to put them on the machine because of the frailty of it, the breakage was was nearly 50 percent. And it's one of those things. It's like you don't know what you lost <laughs> and there ain't no getting that back. And it's it's, you know, and so and I, I do. I have a friend. He's called the jazz detective where you're actually been shopping a show for that. He gets called Martin all over the world. He has a deal. He has a first look deal with the country of France and there used to be a radio station in this building that hasn't been a radio station for 40 years. Grandfather dies and they find in his attic. Oh, he took all the shit home. And and this, wow. uh, this guy flies over and he assesses it. It's like, oh, well, Chet Baker might have been going east to west and Dizzy Gillespie's going west to east. They both had a day off. They got together. At th and this is this isn't hyperbole. These are actually things that happen. And it wasn't like, let's record this for posterity, but the show was just recorded then. And it yeah. sat in somebody's basement for literally 50 years. And now it's, it's that. It's like, okay, we have the physical tapes, or do we? And, and what's going to be that part? Oh, my God. But that to have it baking in the background while you talk about what could or could not be. It, it's, it's literally, that is enthralling. Oh, it could be great. Like, I don't know, maybe – one of my kids puts a pizza in and turns it up to 400, you know, or, or, or like people are calling cause there's flames behind me. And I'm like, I could be like, do, do, do not, when I'm talking with, you, don't call me interrupting the flow. Like, we've got a relationship. And then I got the flame. Yeah. I, I'm dying to ask you this morning. Um, the, 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 have you, and knock on for Micah or whatever you knock on or whether it's superstitious. Have you had a just a crazed fan of one of the bands just showing up who didn't get that it was time to go home? <laughs> well, this is a sad story. It's a sad story. Um, guy, so we, we'll do like, um, I'm careful, but I will do, so, I'll auction a night at the museum, which is hilarious. Um, uh, but we'll also do like a listening session in the studio and and I'll tell people, you know, I've got an extensive collection of things you've never heard by all of the bands I've whatever I've been involved with. I've got such early nine inch nails demos that, you know, people just sit crying, you know. So um uh, this guy came out from Portland and um 
It's a little bit strange. And I played him, huge pill fan, big bootleg collector. And um, I played him, played him some stuff that no one's heard from 1981. And um, we sat and I'm like, okay, you know, we did a couple of hours. I'm like, all right, this, you know, that, that was good. I came home and I keep seeing him on my Zoom camera outside of the museum. Uh, what A couple of my guys are still over there, but it's like he's waiting for a cab to go by. And I'm like, what? what the cabs don't go up and down that street. And so in the end, like two hours later, I just put a, got him a Zoom on my account. And then the next day, he asked if he could come back to hear one of the songs again. It really, he woke up thinking about it. And um, I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. And uh, and then and we sat and listened to some stuff again. And it was really impactful. And I thought, look, instead of spending the next three hours wondering, is he getting a cab, having my camera ping my phone, I'll just, I'll just, his hotel was two miles away. I'm like, I'll just take you to the hotel, you know. And um, we had a really nice chat. And um, he was just one of those music people. I, I guess much like much like your, your wife, you know. And um, he was he went back to Portland. Two days later, he was flying to London for three nights of the cure. And um, just uh, and the, I sent him a message a week ago because he had some bootlegs for me and some other stuff. I'm like, hey, you know, you know, you should come out again. I'll play it. You won't believe what we found. And I got the email back from his wife that he passed. Oh, um, I'm sorry to hear that. Like 10 days ago. So, um, I mean, uh, you know, I think there are these nutty fans out there, but I kind of view it on the lucky to have any fan we're all lucky to have any fans and and if they and if they are overly enthusiastic well okay i guess you know that's uh, i don't think that's a bad thing um so so yeah that's a, that's another thing the museum has done is is really kind of reframe some things for me um you know yeah no, I, I think it's wonderful because, you know, one of the guys I got to work with for years, he was the head of catalog um, at Universal and he went over to catalog at at, um, at at Capitol Records. And sometimes we would do box sets for people. I'm like, is this guy really worthy of a box set? I mean, at, at the, you know, with the booklet and all this stuff. But then, you know, you would see it's like, yeah, it sells 10,000, 15,000 units. But the people who who bought it. It's it's their everything. It's like they've been waiting their whole lives for these unreleased. Uh, you know, honestly, everybody knows. Like, if Paul McCartney finds something that him and John half worked out one day and threw aside, and he said, "Oh my God, I found this," the world will lose their shit. Well, on a smaller level, almost every band has those people who are waiting for that, and it is special. And have you had somebody come into the museum personally, not one of the bands that you were in, but you and said, uh, you've changed my life. Like, like your drumming meant this to me or, or what your career did shaped the rest of my life. Well, but yeah, there's, there's some of that, but I think, I, I think more, more honestly, 
that these genres, you know, Pill, Killing Joke, Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, My Life with the Throw Kill Cult, Wax Tracks, Records, Invisible Records, Touch and Go, The Cure. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Were you part of Touch and Go? Do you, that that label? Yeah, yeah they, they manufactured and distributed uh, my label Invisible for... Oh. Eight, 10 years yeah, yeah t- touch and go touch and go you know when i fell into college radio it's like oh th- this this coming from you know pre-nirvana sub pop or or touch and go or homestead records or homestead? you so, know so jared jared cosloy homestead now matador right i met him in 1980 well so it seems some people say oh my god you've met everybody i'm just fucking old and i've done it i've been, I've been in a lot of bands so I, plus i would talk to people even though i'm shy i would talk to people even though even when i was young so 1980 we're at the lennox hotel in boston we played the orpheum theater the first night with pil and um here's this kid he's got a fanzine called conflict and uh and it's all typeset he's got the cover all typeset john lydon keith levine wobble you know, none of them would speak to him. So he had to like crayon my name in there. And I spoke to him for an hour. And that was Jared Cosloy, who then started Homestead. And 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 and, 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 and like home, Homestead, Dutchie, Cindy's and Matador. It's like, you know, the bands like that. I, I you know, because I came in. So I didn't realize. And, and this is a story I'm dying to tell you because I didn't realize 48 hours ago, Barton, I was dying to tell you this story. Well, unfortunately, okay. we're out of time. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> oh, wait. I have no say as to when we end this. No. It's, it's, please continue. I literally didn't know I was going to tell a story, Martin, because I didn't know the story existed. When, when, when my wife called me from the from from the museum and she's dying to go back you know she's dying to get you know her boys duran duran there um all of these things so i'm doing research uh, uh you know i'm like oh crap he wrote this is you know the, the the pill's second album joe is probably no not probably it is their best album you know this is what you ask for this is what you get you know this is what you want this is what you get and i'm like holy fuck martin co-wrote that you're not the drummer in public image limited you wrote their quintessential record and then i'm like oh and then i'm like i know i know you know some of the pig face stuff but then i'm looking at the people on it i'm like this can't be real like it's a who's who in industrial music but then there's something that i came across martin that honestly 1989 uh i i you know you know i'm, I'm at my, my my friend's house she's you know she's staying there you know, anyways i'm two years out of high school and i'm a minor league hockey player uh you know two years out of high school i, I was gonna play i played minor league hockey i wasn't going anywhere i was going to school in the fall uh you know i was going to go to a crappy little state school and i did go to a crappy little state school but i'm like okay fine hockey's not going to happen at least i can play a little college hockey it's crappy division three college hockey what's your record that year and i you know and i so i um but i you know i was a music guy but not a huge music guy i mean i i loved you too um like their first three albums i think are three of the greatest albums. i mean that's my I, stuff I, I saw them play to 17 people in london anyway, see sorry. that that and, and 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 i left early why because Sucked. i ran out of speed oh <laughs> <laughs> that is i hope someday you get to tell that story to larry moen jr holy fuck is that great but 
I'm at I'm at this girl's house. She's asleep. I'm half asleep, and I forget what MTV show went on. It's like midnight to two a.m. or one a.m. to three a.m. And where they would show the underground video. You know, they would take a break from endless Hall and Oates videos and show minutes. cool videos. It was that 120 minutes. Thank you, Joe. Dave, Dave Kendall. Dave Kendall. Yeah. Look, so Martin, it's one thirty in the morning. One forty-five. Head like a hole comes on. I shot up like I, I, like literally it's like it, it was an awakening it's like what the fuck is this and i'm like okay this is what i'm going to do uh that girl who i was seeing her best friend in high school was my ex-girlfriend and i borrowed her little brother's drummer uh, i borrowed her little brother's drum set never to be returned and i'm like i'm going to be a drummer i get to school and because I played on the hockey team, I didn't have to live on campus. I got an off-campus housing, so I could have the drum set. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I was just play drums all day. About two weeks later, I'm at the dorms, and I'm playing uh, The Cure's uh, Picture of You. Uh, Disintegration came out. And I'm playing the Disintegration album, and some kid on the second floor, a floor above, thinks, oh, my God, who's listening to this album? Because, you know, where we went to school wasn't a – a cure listening to environment. He comes downstairs thinking he's going to see a chick. It's me. And we've been in the same band for 33 years ever since then. And it's all because of that nine inch nail video. I shot up that night, Martin. And I'm like, and I did the next, I can tell you, it was Chris Fletcher, whose drums that I borrowed, uh, you know, my, and, and I never returned it, but I saw that video and something clicked. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. Wait, there's fucking two drummers. And this, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I wasn't a Grateful Dead guy, so I didn't know that was a thing. But I had never seen it. I, I had never been inspired in a way like that musically. And I, I stayed on the college hockey team about two more weeks after that. And I'm like, "Nope, I'm not. I, I still play, you know." And but I'm like, "No, this, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. This is absolutely." And it's that video. And of course, I don't know it's you. And then I'm doing the research. I'm like, holy fuck. You and that other guy are the reason that I completely changed the course of my life. And I can never say thank you enough to you and Trent Reznor and, and that. And like I, said, I like Nine Inch Nails. I'm more of a pavement, Buffalo, Tom, Dinosaur Jr. guy. But it's like, you know, you know, play, living at the college radio station after that. Of course, I knew all Skinny Puppy and, and Ministry and, and all that kind of ilk just kind of bled through. And, and it was just so fantastic. I was like, I've been giddy to tell you that. Then. It's like, oh, my God. And I wonder if I'm the only person who's come up and said, Martin, you completely changed the course of somebody's life for the better, I think. I, you know, you know. Well, uh, well, th well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying before, I think, these genres, these bands, um, you know, because because I'm visible with the museum and I talk to people, but you know, people will 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 say that, you know, and but there's a, there's a scene in the video where I pick up my floor tom and I just throw it at the kit. So the bartenders had got me quite drunk. <laughs> we're, in, we're in a place called the Exit Lounge, not where it is now on North Avenue. It was the previous location on Wells in chicago uh, i have the um carabiners that trent um 
Oh my God, Rich Patrick, and I don't know the other, the three people were suspended from hanging down. Right, the, the carabiners are at the museum, and um, there was kind of like an igloo, a metal igloo over the dance floor, and they suspended from that. And I just, I, you know, H Gun Video, it was a new video company. They were kind of groundbreaking. Still talk to them. Um, Eric Zimmerman is in LA now, and. Um, they just wanted another, let's do another take. Let's do another take. I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. We've been here for hours. I just, I was kind of drunk. I threw my floor tom at my kit and the the band was staying at my loft that night anyway. <laughs> and I, I just got in a cab and went home. I'm just fucking, fuck it. Well, I mean, not only did I start, I, I switched from being a history major to a film major and oh. all I did, and it was great because, um, uh, as Joe will tell you, or as my wife will tell you, as anyone, I, um, Sometimes I don't work well with others, <laughs> and so, you know, the rest of the class divided, and, and my my bass player for, you know, 10 years, he lives in Austin, is still like, he's not my friend, he's my brother, um, the room divided in half, where one half worked on one small movie, and the other half worked on the other movie, and the professor was smart enough to know, yeah, Jacques's not going to be an asset to any of these fuckers, so whatever, Jacques, just go do your thing, and I ended up making videos that... You know, we, we, we had, you know, we didn't have money, but we had access to 16 millimeter cameras and all the editing stuff. So we didn't have money to go into an eight track studio, but we ended up getting tracking numbers through all the, the fan scenes and, um, college music journal also had a video music journal. that was oh, cable. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. They, they had a spinoff VMJ and Joe and I actually had a music video show in the, in the early nineties in, in Boston and ended up getting picked up by KCOP at the UHF, uh, UHF channel in LA for like two, three months. And it was, we would only show things that MTV wasn't, but that video like literally changed. I'm going to be a drummer. I'm going to make music videos. And I did that, that did nothing but that wow. for the next 10 wow. years. And wow. I cannot say thank you enough. And it's funny because now my wife, she loves to go to concerts. She's in Vegas now seeing a couple of your bands. Uh, uh, sick, sick World. Sick New it? World. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you could not pay me to go to that, but she and her two best friends are out there for Mom's Day. And I, I think Skinny Puppy and Ministry are, are in the lineup. And then her friends go home Sunday night. She's staying back one more day so she can see Sisters of Mercy on Sunday night. Well. Yeah, she does. I mean, yeah, that's her life. Sisters are here on the 6th, I want to say. Uh, we have the same agent as Pigface. Um, so I think uh, our agents might stay at the museum. But oh. also the, the same night as Love and Rockets. And oh. so David, David J is going to stop by the museum and, and, and hang, which is... I, 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 I Probably of, all, of those bands, uh, like Love and Rockets is, a, is one of them. Because I did, I, you know, I was more of a New Order Love and Rockets, you know, yeah. guy. And uh, But it's just fantastic. You, you've crossed paths and you've worked with... I mean, you're mentioning names. It's like, I don't know. I don't know the last time I've heard Steve Albini's name, but he's, well, he's well, one of those still, people. He's but, giant. But, but you mentioned... So you said something about Pigface, like a list of industrial superstars or something. And I, I would just want to take exception to that <laughs> because um, Galen Lee, who won the NPR Tiny Desk competition six years ago, playing fiddle from her wheelchair, um, she's a member of Pigface. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, Tammy Down, 
the singer from a band called Faster Pussycat. Oh, yeah. They're great. He, he's in Pig Face. Um, Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. Uh, Danny Curry from Tool. I mean, these are not. There's a bunch of people who play bagpipes with us. Uh, cellists. That's, the, the main, that's amazing. First cello from the Seattle Symphony, I think. Uh, Barbara Ruchoft. She's Pig Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, How do you put together a set list? With all with all these instruments, is it like who's available? If if you can make the show and you can make the show, we can play these songs. If these people can make the show, we play those songs. Yeah, no, it's just like um, who's around, and there's definitely you know I I my goodness, accidental. Oh, this sounds ridiculous. Oh, this this is going to sound really ridiculous. I, and it's like and it just got more ridiculous before I tell it. <laughs> I'm at Brian Eno's studio in London, um, and and I'm there's an event there, and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm up against the wall, going, you know, where the fuck's Brian Eno, you know, and there's somebody's like next to me, I'm like, oh well, this is quite the place, isn't it, you know, boom, 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 we're talking about this and that, we're talking for about ten minutes until I finally turn. To, to face this person and it's fucking Peter wow. Gabriel. Oh yeah. But but anyway, oh. there's there's a there's a thing that Peter does where he turns his back to the audience and falls backwards. And and I know it's he doesn't just do that. You know, there's probably like eight of his security he's going, he's going in. <laughs> tumble tumble, tumble tumble, you know. Uh let's not fumble. Um and uh <laughs> But but still, nonetheless, it, and and that's what a pig face tour is like, you know. You just don't know, and it, and and you just kind of go, you'd leave it up to other things. I mean, I, that sounds ridiculous. I'm I'm not sitting here going, oh, fingers crossed. I mean, I worked really hard on it. But this last 2019, when we went out, Mary Biker, who's actually a guy called Ian, who sings with Gay Bikers on Acid and Pop Will Eat Itself. Um, he says, Ooh, uh, I forgot. I've got a festival in England. I've got to miss the first two shows. I'm like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know? And, uh, Greta Brinkman, who plays bass with us, uh, she says, well, I've got a friend in Richmond who can sing Randy Blythe. I'm like, never heard of him. What does he do? She's like, well, he's a bit metal. He sings with Lamb of God. I'm like, yeah. name sounds a bit familiar, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I called him up. I'm like, hey, he's like, I'm a big fan of Pig Face. Play Pig Face on my radio show. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know what? It's only two shows. How bad could it be? <laughs> and and he was unbelievable. And then, And then you realize, you know, halfway through, the Lamb of God are like huge around the world, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, but he got on the bus after the second show. Mary Biker arrived back from the festival in England, and he said, "Well, that's it. That's my two shows. That's what I said I would do, and I've done it. I stuck to my word. There's only one thing: I'm not getting off the bus. I'm doing the next <laughs> seventeen shows. <laughs> he did the next seventeen shows, and um, so." Uh, that, that, it's just glorious for me. You know, people will just wander on stage. 
Like, oh, oh hello, who's this? You know, Andrew Weiss from the Rollins band and Ween. Oh. So we had three bass players that night, you know, <laughs> like, and, you know, and then so you look around on stage at Minneapolis, you look around and people are shitting their pants. And it's like, oh, it's Danny. Well, I mean, Danny came out with us for 10 days in 1994. You know, so, you know, the, the us oldsters, we all know Danny. Oh, it's Danny. But everybody else is like, it's fucking Danny. fucking Danny. Right, I'm right. Too, you know? I mean, and yeah, then, if it's you know, 94, Sober comes out in 93. So this is like, I mean, Sober probably had to be the biggest non Nirvana song of like from 92 to like 95, you know, type thing and tool every, everything they did just in that, like their videos and everything changed everything. But for, to you, he's just another guy getting up, doing his thing. Well, well and, and, and he's awesome. You know, I, I think that's the thing about pig face. It's like none of us, uh, I've been in bands where one member or another is completely off the rails and is tolerated because it's a four-piece band and whatever, but there's so this, you know, there'll often be twenty-five people on stage with pig face, and so there's no, we don't need to tolerate assholes. Oh, you that's know, just this, wonderful. This kind of thing, you know, yeah. So, so if, if you're going through like the coolest shows you've played, I mean, so you're doing the Grey Whistle Test at age twenty. That must have you at, at that point in time. You're like, uh, this is it. If I get hit by a bus. I'm on that old gray whistle test. Well, how how much better can it get? Well, I still have the shirt I wore on that show. Um, I still have my button that they give you, the old gray whistle test, kicking the star button. But it was surreal. So as a child, as a kid, I would be on the carpet with my <laughs> elbows on the carpet, watching the television live, chieftains, the tubes, you know, everything. Um, <clears throat> so... As I'm playing, I'm I was honestly flashing back to the kid on the carpet. You know, I was going back ten years to the kid on the carpet. You know, and now I'm on the. You know, it's easy to just like lose concentration. You know, but um, yeah, it, that was a wild. So uh, that you, was a wild show. You just mentioned the tubes. Ha, has Free Weibo or, or Richard Marks come to the museum yet? No, um, I met one of the backing singers in the tubes she might is she involved with todd rungren now maybe i don't know i don't uh, know and i and, and, and i only ask because i i won't bore you with how i did it but i started booking big name people to do national anthems at nascar races and nfl football games and i got cheap trick to do uh an indianapolis colts game one of the greatest things I ever did is a really, really dear friend of mine, uh, somebody who's been an amazing mentor. Uh, he manages Richard Marks and I, Richard Marks does this NASCAR thing and he's in the press room and there's like, you know, the regular press people and they always, you know, talk to who these celebrity comes. And one press guy says, he goes, I got a question not related to do with any of this. He goes, is it true that your best friends, with free Weibo and Richard goes, well, yeah, but you can ask free about it. And he points, I didn't know who it was. So when he showed up at the show, it's like, it, 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 it's Dearman who manages, you know, Richard and, and Richard Marks, who's who I've worked with a few times. Nobody that successful has any right to be that nice. 
like as amazing as he is as a songwriter and musician, an effing sweetheart. But the, this poor press guy head exploded. Like I literally saw somebody's mind not being able wow. to compute. I'm asking wow. this question. Just what's the odds that he's going to be here? I'm going to ask it. Wow. And I, I got wow. to I got to spend the day with him. I will send the free way is a giant. Like that, he is a very large man. And, and uh, I, the reason I ask specifically, Joe, is they're Chicago guys. And Richard Marks was just a studio rat. He lived at a studio and, and the tubes and free is like, I think like 10 years older than him, but they're, they're each other's godfather, their kids and all that stuff. But wow. free Weibo took Richard under his arm or under his wing, however you want to say it. And they're Chicago guys at their core so i will make a phone call when when i'm to dearman i'm like hey no i'm not gonna make a phone call i'm gonna send him this and like hey this might be something free or or, or richard might want to check out next time they're home in chicago it's it's um thank you it's it's that's this really weird thing you know i've done some crazy shit but this museum i keep calling it magic sometimes i just like to sit sometimes yeah. people want to see everything and then the person who's seen everything will then be, and I'm, and I'm thinking maybe, wow, they don't seem blown away. You know, they saw this, they saw that. Da, 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 da. And then they'll be like, oh my God, there's a partial bumper sticker from a Toronto radio station partially obscured on the side of a flight case up against the wall. Oh my fucking God. And you you realize you just, you just, you don't know. You took them home. Like you flashed them to a happy place. They, they, yeah. I, I, you know, so now with like the two inch tapes in mastering, there's this thing that's been happening in music for a long time now. And there's one guy, there's one guy I keep seeing on, um, on Instagram, who's an absolute wizard. He mashes up songs. He'll take like an ACDC song. And then, you know, the music from an ACDC song, it's an Eminem. I wonder with all the stuff that you have, like all, I mean, all the tapes that you're finding out exist, that your former partner, like that you, you completely forgot about. I mean, how fun would that be to have all these amazing people you've worked with to just come in and mash up a skinny puppy and a nine inch, like something that it was a throwaway that you, you, you're not going to record this, but it's a jam and you just kind of want to get it down. And you have this piece of music from young Trent. And now you're turning around and you're putting the pig face, like oboist, or is that how you say it? Is it an oboist? Is that the right term? I, 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 don't, I don't know if I want to find out. <laughs> and just mix all that stuff. Cause your music is across the board. Yeah. I mean, it, there's all kinds of stuff. Pendulette does spoken word on a track oh i mean it's it's it's, it's a nuts. spoken word or a shouted word <laughs> with, with it's, actually he's speaking he's speaking you know, he's, he's speaking yeah yes yeah. but he has such but, a loud projection when he talks I, what 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 i enjoy doing a lot we just did it on monday we did an after school matters workshop where you know they have a program in chicago where they pay kids to attend this uh, program instead of being on the streets it's cheaper to pay them you know um and they so they come in and they're like oh fuck fucking museum fuck you know and it's and it's me and i tell them that i'm a c minus d plus student who now has a master's degree who's written three books and now and now has a museum 
and that they, you know, if I can do this, anybody can do anything. And, the, you know, that's a great thing to say to a, a kid in a classroom, but to say it in my museum. Right. It, Completely you know, different. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. And we went downstairs and they all printed t-shirts and, um, I, I just love doing, I'd love doing that shit. At some point we all make music in there because, you know, a good recording studio is more vibe than anything. Right. It's the, the echoes on the wall of a Paul McCartney used this microphone. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's psycho, uh, whatever, whatever you're pressing all of these buttons and, and I'd be interested to see a vocalist record a, a, a track surrounded by all this stuff. Cause there's a, there's a vibe to it, you know, now that's, that's so a genius thing, mind. right? Yeah. Like, the, the the osmosis process of all those genres and, and amazing artists bleeding in is there good word, osmosis good word, good word is there um you know you can't say like is there is there a couple songs that like you've been a part of that you're like yeah yeah you know that's something that if i hear on the radio i'm turning up or i will specifically you know go and play that i, I you know what or, or a song that you know because you know i'm a drummer and there's so many songs that my guitar is like yeah that's a great uh, okay song i'm like no no it's one of our best songs because i love what i'm doing on the, the other fucks you know what i mean now i'm not listening to what you're doing but on this bullshit, i figured bullshit, something bullshit, out my part my life bull- yes exactly <laughs> Do, 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 do. <laughs> Dude, that one uh, fill was great. What are you talking about? No, I, but I, I, it's there's been some joyful stuff. We had some people from who work with Moog, or Moog, if you you might call it Moog. Um, they, my my studio guy was playing some dub mixes that I did in 2007-2008 with. Tape delays, spring reverb, sweepable EQs, and 949 and 969 eventide, just and having the eventide look for control voltage, just glitching out. And these guys are like, oh, what software is this? And we're, we're just laughing at them. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. What is this the FP plug? We were just like, the plugins. It's fucking, the, you're yeah. in it. It's, you're in it. And, um, <laughs> uh, and it was this, you know, sometimes we just, We'd spend a day or 16 working on a mix. And then I'd just go, fuck it, pull everything down and just do a dub mix, you know? And there was always a good, there was some good moments on the dub mixes where you're just doing it live. And this thing went on for 22 minutes and I'm just sitting there waiting for it to fall off a cliff, catastrophe. And it didn't happen. I was like, oh, holy, I've got to sit and listen to this stuff. We've got to put some on some vinyl, you know? That's um, the, the, it's the, those moments that are just insane. Yeah. And then, then I found a micro cassette Ooh. where we we did a cover of our own song "Suck," and it just <laughs> says Cynthia Plasticaster says "suck." So I guess I got Cynthia just to thought it'd be funny for her to say the word "suck," and I, you know, we we've got to archive that micro cassette now because if I'm saying okay, here we go one more time, she'll be like, oh, oh, you know, I don't know if it's just the word "suck." But there's just so much shit everywhere. That I mean that it's and the passion that you exude, like this is one thousand percent a labor of love. And 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 very rarely do you run into people who like I like to call them SpongeBob people. Uh the one thing I love most about SpongeBob is 
with 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 an asshole boss and a and a curmudgeon coworker, he cannot wait to get up in the morning and get to the place that he loves. So customers can be rude, like can be bad. It doesn't matter. He loves what he does. And when I get to talk to somebody who found what they love and that they get to go to this place and be there every single day it's infectious you 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 literally have this infectious vibe of just complete passion for for not just music overall well well, thank you but but i just want to be clear it's not i'm not like i'm in love with my (laughs) beat you know i i'm in love with the effect that all of this has on people i mean it's like People sit and cry. Yeah. And um, uh, I mean, I had a couple. um, It was the daughter's birthday. And we sat for an afternoon. And all of this stuff about the family unfolded. And I mean, honestly, we should be sponsored by Kleenex. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, um, and, And that that's what is um addicting it, it's this like you know i called it the i call it the thrill ride you know it's it's people people lose their inhibitions they open up um they get in touch with some stuff i think they reevaluate some things you know like here's this time slot from 20 30 40 years ago 1980 is you know, not too far from 50 years ago. And, um, and it causes people to stop and think a minute. Yeah. No, it's like it's, your museum is kind of like this locksmith for people's childhood memories, you know, and you like all these little artifacts, are like little keys that unlock these senses that they haven't sensed. And, you know, in decades, and then they see something and they go, Oh, I remember exactly where I was when I saw that or when I heard that. And it's like, right, it's something that you can't replicate artificially you have to be there yeah that's a physical thing if 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 you made a new old bumper sticker and tried to weather it it wouldn't have the effect that that guy felt when he saw the toronto radio station on the guitar case i want to ask you so nine-year-old steve starts drumming uh first of all how were your parents cool with you having it did you have a drum set or was it at school how did you get into drumming my, my my dad bought me a drum kit Somebody at school told my mom, ooh, I hear Martin's a genius on the drums. Oh, well, I, they, I was just given a snare drum. So what can you do? I don't know. So they were just making conversation. And my dad saw a drum kit at the market, kind of a battered drum kit, and got me a drum kit. And so absent fathers, right, um, uh, I played my drums for four hours a day because my dad bought me a kit. If he bought me a lawnmower, this would be this would be homes and gardens, uh, and that's how I broke into the landscaping business. And you know, you know um, yeah. I thought you were going to say that he saw this battered drum kit in a market, and then he went and got a newer drum kit. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't get he, him that battered drum he, kit. Well, he needs a fresh drum kit. Well, and it really was a, a terrible drum kit. And they used to come and see me play. I used to do eight shows a week. Uh, Sunday afternoons, we play at uh, um, the uh, Newcastle Labor Club in Newcastle, where Sting used to play. Um, he had a band called Last Exit. 
Um, we backed the strippers on a Sunday afternoon uh, <laughs> when I was when I was eleven and twelve, right? Oh, so so there were one show one night uh, with, with this band, and I'm going around. I'm going around doing some drum thing around the tom toms, and the 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 leg on the bass drum just just broke. So I'm going around the and the the whole the drum just fell over, the to, and I'm trying to fix it. And my dad took me out and got me a brand new kit after that. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a great. Who when you're 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 eleven, you're twelve. Yeah, I know you're fifteen, sixteen. Who are you watching? Who are you watching, uh, or listening to on the Peel session? Saying, that's the guy. That are the you know th those you know that's that I I like that style or I like part of that style and that. Where were you pulling from? Well, so originally Gene Karupa, Buddy Rich, like just piles of albums around. You know, and I'd listen to, there's an album with both of them on called Burning Beat, which is like a, a drum off, you know. Um, I think most of my bands have had two drummers, Murder Inc., Pig Face, of course. Um, and then all of the, you know, Gary Glitter, uh, God bless him. The, the, <laughs> the Stranglers, the Beatles, the Stranglers, um, Uriah Heep, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. Um, uh the chieftains i saw the chieftains on all gray whistle test and so all, all of that stuff you know was was going in there and then punk happens and it's the clash the damned the undertones the buzzcocks um all this crazy shit i moved to london i'm like fuck this i moved 300 miles down to london and, and got involved and eventually uh, joined PIL, but that was crazy. It was a crazy time. I mean, I, 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 we could do. I would love to have you back on and just talk. How the hell did you want? Because, like, you know, and 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 it's Wikipedia. It's some articles. It's like you joined, you're gone for a while, then you come back, you write the best album, and then you go. And I, there's just a hundred and fifty-one stories for every, you know, two weeks you were in that band. I can all, I can only imagine. Now, how did you wind up in Chicago? How is that home? So. um moved to London and then we moved to New York when you didn't want to be in New York, you know, 1981 in times square. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. I get, I'll go to get a piece of pizza and I'm just standing there. I'm like, if this P I'm going to get shot in the back of the head, you know, and you got, we, I was staying at the Iroquois hotel. It was $28 a night. Um, and you know, you go back and, Oh, that room next door is now, crime scene tape oh. across the door, you know? Um, so we lived in New York for a while. I had a loft on 19th street and 11th Avenue. And then we moved to California, which was a really bad move for, for John, I think. Um, but so we lived in LA for a while and then I saw what was happening in Chicago and I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, uh, I recognize the beginning of the industrial scene wax tracks touch and go the whole energy all these bands playing with each other i was at steve albini's birthday party when a band called slint did their first show at his birthday party i had jesus lizard do their second ever show wow on my roof i was arrested um fantastic it was, it was just crazy so and, uh, i've been here ever since you know so I, lots of people are from chicago but I came here. I'm proud to say I came here by choice. After no, it, living it, it, in a bunch of places. 
that that's what makes something special where somebody be, you know you know that's what that's why i think like austin blew up and chapel hill blew up and you know or the Seattle because people like there's something different going on there and, and and the whole city has a vibe or that whole scene and it's like and you've already mentioned it's like my kids will never understand what a fa- fan scene is how somebody in their basement is printing up their own and and by hand like xeroxing out but you would mimeographing you thank you i've and but you know you know we're in a band in like 90 91 and to get something reviewed in one of those things was a big fucking deal. Like, you know, I, I said, I have a box somewhere with all those like crappy little home printed, but those people were great. I mean, those people made the scene like college radio was, and it's still, I mean, I, luckily I live close to, you know, a university that has a great college radio station. Sometimes I'll put it on. I'll be like, Oh fuck it. Three hours later, I'm still listening to it. And then mm-hmm. there's sometimes that's, that's not for me type thing, but it's like, but but that was like the real birth of those scenes like you could do. Well, like you said, like, you know, e- even like the Lamb of God, they're still like, I've never heard of it. And then you find out, it's like, wait, they're doing stadiums all through you know, but, Europe. But the, but the fanzine path, there's a label in Champaign, Champaign, Illinois called uh, Polyvinyl started as a fanzine and they were just out and about and talking to people and the reviewing bands like how else can we help these bands well we could put some of their music out same with touch and go touch and go was a fanzine in detroit you know right, right. Corey, Corey started his label and um it's all diy part it's like it's how i you know i started teaching because i'm like well that would be crazy so i did and <sighs> then and then there wasn't a textbook for touring so i wrote one you know and i'm like and i look back at that i'm like what the who what who the fuck did I think I was <laughs> writing a book? You know, that's that's well, there, there wasn't a book. There wasn't one. No, you know, just you know. So and um, so um, uh, no, there's not a called, there's not a book for half. There's not a book for ninety nine percent of things that should be out there. Yeah. You, you know, I on the other side of the fence, it's like all as a musician, when you know you're getting ripped off by a label, I can tell you, you know. As a guy who ran a post house that did all of Universal Music Group stuff, some A&R guy would be pushing some band through on the side. And he would call us and say, uh, put this invoice under No Doubt. Because at the time, No Doubt has four videos in production. They're on a tour. Like this extra $2,000, $3,000 will never show up. Like nobody will ever know. But this is how they're trying to squeeze. And then it's like you, you hear that like 10 years later, a band turns around. It's like. Yeah, how are we broke if we sold this? Well, you know what? This ain't our guy squeezed this through this, this person, no. like all of that. So, no, but nobody yeah. pulls people aside and says, hey, dummy, everything you think might be going on is going on. Or if there is, there's like no, no touring and stuff like, or no, people don't know. I didn't know until I, I wasn't smart enough to know I wasn't supposed to make some of the phone calls I did. And it's like, I didn't know there was this whole booking through college things you know i knew how to get club shows but the the first time we got a, a gig at like the university of buffalo and i'm like you're paying us you're paying us that much money to come to you and and, and literally martin it was one of those you played these shows i don't think there was 10 people there but they paid us so much money because it was through the college that we had enough money to do a whole let's stop in rochester let's stop here we're going to do a, a club show in buffalo i mean that one but i didn't know about those things because nobody 
there's no there was no book but now i'm going to go look to see about your book what's the next book that you're going to help people with you got one in the ready to fire off i well i think um this start in a museum has been really interesting uh, all along the way some people have said okay you've got to stop we need a business plan i'm like i don't know if i need a business plan if i'm not if this isn't going to work why do I need, how will a business plan save a bad idea? You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wait, then, I'm writing that down. That's genius. How will so, a business so, plan save a bad so, idea? So, uh, and it's, and I'm like, I don't want to sit in the basement and catalog 500 things. It just sounds like a nightmare. And who, who can I get to help me sit in a basement? Now there's thousands of things. And the space is amazing. And Dark Matter Coffee gave us a Marzocco espresso machine. And we have our own coffee and our own whiskey. And I'll be batting people off with a stick, you know, that, that want to come and help me and catalog the stuff. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Just, just, no, 1,000%. Like I said, the, my wife it calls me from the place. It's like... You, 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 we have to figure because she goes to Chicago two or three times a year. She's like, we got to figure out when I'm coming back. You have to be here. And like she, like, like I said, Duran Duran's coming to town, and she's trying to, because she, she nannies her family. She's trying to, like, you know what? I, I think the first week of June's a good time to go visit your family, and and maybe so she can manipulate that. No, but it, it, but <laughs> you know, it's funny because so you know Duran Duran, it wasn't like. My, my wife's 80 music and mine are completely different. Like, like her 80s music is Duran Duran and, and my, like she likes David Bowie. I, I think we should just, you know, there should be statues of him in every city, you know, in the world. Uh, but I, I'm more of a talking heads person, but it was great because she's been a real fan forever. And there's been different, like, Duran Duran's gone out with three of the members and two of the members, and she's loved whatever's gone out. Like John Taylor is her guy when he did a solo tour. And it was a few years ago, he was playing a fundraiser for this pretentious school in Los Angeles that doesn't fucking need a fundraiser. It's like 40 grand a year for your first grader to go. But because all the, oh yeah, because all the, all the little fucks who go there, their mom is on this show. Their dad writes this show. So at the, at the fundraiser, here's a signed script from this show and this show, somebody knew somebody and, and, and it was, you know, Roger Taylor and, and John Taylor. I, my wife will tell you, but she, she knows, so she brought a couple things to sign. Well, I get there and there's nobody talking to him and he's born and he's sitting there. I'm like, I went home and I got a bunch of stuff. His face, when he saw, it's like, wait a minute. I haven't seen this in 25 years. Oh, I have, wait, you have, it was almost like, oh, fuck, we're not getting back. <laughs> like, like, like he's, he, he's going to keep that. You know, and it's funny because he signed like three or four things. And I said, and there was that one thing. This is mine. This is mine. Yes. Property of John Property Taylor. Of, yes. and, and it was it was the greatest thing. And then finally, I'm like, I, I go to hand him something. And she's like, no, no, he signed enough. I said, hey, I want something signed. And he was so happy. And I hand him this. And he goes, what's your name? And I'm like, Ellen. And he literally fell down laughing. He thought, but I can imagine that must happen when, 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 you get these things, like I said, that somebody you, you've how many hundreds, not even hundreds. Like, do you even have a ballpark idea, Martin, how many shows you've played? Uh, 
No. You can't even mm-hmm. fathom it. Right. Uh, no, right. I mean, yeah. I and mean, there used to be posters yeah. for each each show. Each city would make their own poster for a show. And, and somebody and now, shows up. And, and what a tragedy this week with Kozik. Really uh, prolific uh, special poster artist and then a toy artist. Uh, he passed this week, but he would he would do posters for everyone, and they're all collectible. He would sign them, number them. Oh. Um, I'm discovering some posters. I just bought a poster on eBay, and I opened up the drawer to put it in the drawer, and I had one in the drawer. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Have Have you gotten a, a, any calls from bandmates that you've lost contact with who are like, Martin, do you? Do you have a museum? And you're like, yeah, I actually do. You got to come see it. No, I think m- most most people know what I'm up to. I did. There was some. Uh, I saw some correspondence on the Killing Joke page. Um, they were at the, there's a punk museum in Vegas, and they have one Killing Joke photograph on the wall. And of course, the Killing Joke fans are like, "Well, this is not right," you know. <laughs> and I, so I sent them a picture of like a hundred things on this on my, all the scenery that I made from the tours and all these lyrics and photographs and uh, lenticular photographs and handwritten stuff. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Martin, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we've kept you way too long. Like I said, I honestly, last night I didn't sleep like, like I didn't sleep, and, and, and it's fine. I work on the house. I got the kids to school. And at one point I'm like, you know what? I'm early. I'm up early enough. I'll get in a quick nap later. I couldn't sleep Take an, I, I've been giddy to talk to you because every everything that I've been reading online, everything that my wife said about you know having met you uh, and about the museum, you don't see stuff like this all the time. It's unique. It's better. And honestly, it it it's it's I I I, I would go to Chicago. I love Chicago. It, it's a top five city for me. But your museum is something. It's like. Yeah, I got to get from point A to point B. I'm gonna schedule flight for or hire with a seven-hour layover, so I can get in an Uber, you know, um, and and get over and see. It. Like it's it's a destination. Like hey, the beans great, you know, the beans great. I you know I, I but uh, we took the boys to. It's like oh look, it's a giant mirror. It's pretty fucking great, right? <laughs> but but your place, I'd be one of those guys. It's like all right, Chuck. It's uh. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, don't you have a flight tomorrow or something? It's like, oh, don't worry, Martin, I changed it to Wednesday. I got plenty. Oh, hello, officers. Yes, he's right downstairs. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, come visit, you know. I mean, it's it's a special place. And since since your wife was there, um, so much stuff has come in. And um, we've organized so much stuff. I was seeing Genesis P. Orange stuff in three or four different places we put that all together and that's much more powerful uh we're opening up more space downstairs and in the back room it's just there's a band called uh deaf deaf club which is justin pearson from 31g records used to have a band called the locust they're staying there on sunday night i'm kind of excited about that um that is so that can, is exciting. So we can really put up a plaque. Justin Pearson slept here. <laughs> no, uh, you know I I don't. I'll probably be out there before the end of June, and I will be a regular. Like I, I cannot tell you. Like you know, all the bands you've been in. Just there's a couple people who I I 
have really good friends within music and you have that vibe where you could just sit there and the things you could probably you could probably give a dissertation on the art of liner notes that <laughs> I I would be hanging on every because that's posters for shows liner notes I mean all these are lost arts that you know I, I grew up it's like when you got an album it's like that was that was at least 15 percent of the awesomeness if the liner notes had a little story or a little this is how they oh fuck this guy played on this track holy sh- how does this person know that person type thing and and i could listen to you like talk about any like you could <laughs> you could randomly pull a piece of artwork off and just talk about it for like two hours and i'd be like Okay, where's the replay button? Because I want to hear this story again. You, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get those well, headphones well, at the museums. Well, well, we, we're gonna do a. I like doing the tours, you know. So, I'll, so I do the tours. But we are working on the QR code technology to create different paths. And then, speaking of pressing a button, I do have from 1983, John Ro- John Lydon very upset with me on my answer machine so i'll I'll play that to you a few times so you can get that uh delicious parking, anarchy parking nightmare delicious and and, and 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 honestly it's like it's sad that i read his wife has passed away but i mean honestly the she you know you never judge a book by a cover but that's not a book i would read <laughs> that's not a, that's not a a book you know i would read and uh but no it, it was I, I i would love to hear that voicemail i would i would give anything to hear that voicemail of him yeah. being a prick well, well not not his wife nora was you know she did uh acid with Jimi hendrix wow. like she was she was uh, a german heiress um Next castle down the Rhine was the Becks. Um, so her family owned the Tagesspiegel, the biggest daily newspaper. Right, right. The publishing and, empire. Yeah. And uh, and she was wild. I mean, it was like when we were going through airports with John, you know, of course, it's Johnny Rotten. But Nora was like something out of a 60s movie, you know, I mean. And she was really special. It's so sad that she's gone. I can't imagine um, how John is dealing with that. I'm sure he's had some years to get ready. Um, but they were together since the Sex Pistols. Yeah, like 40-some. I was reading that, 40-some. He's like, she's like maybe 10 years older than him or something like that. But, yeah, yeah. been together for absolutely ever. Uh, uh, you know, Martin, we are going to let you go just because if I don't uh, – uh, Joe will text me in about three hours saying, dude, you got to let yeah. this guy get on with his life. I don't know how it happened. We ran out of recording tape. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're recording this on two inch tape, actually, in honor of your discovery. We're Good going deal. old school. Well, uh, uh, come, and, come and see the museum. It's it's nice to talk to you. Hello to all your hockey friends. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing you in person. Is there, uh, do you wanna, is there anything that you want to plug before we sign off? Yeah, not really. No, like, like there's no, uh, you don't have a GoFundMe or like a, a Patreon or something where people can donate. No, I, I'm actually thinking about starting a Patreon. There are 1,400 founders um, in the last two years and a month. You can go to Martin Atkins Big Cartel, which is my store. You can find the founders shirt there, which is $125. You get the shirt, the pass to come to the museum, and a letter from me. Which it's a long story, and uh, 
Is the um, fuck shirt included in that? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well, just you a regular museum shirt. <laughs> if, 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 I, if I email you and let you know what my purchase order number is, will you take a Sharpie and write fuck on the shirt before it gets sent? Oh, I'll, I'll, write, I'll write fuck on anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, Literally, Martin, I, I, I will a hundred like she's definitely coming out in, in June and um and it's great. Like I said, it's like it was like you said, you have all these people. She, you know, met somebody in LA at a show, they became friends on Facebook, they were both in time, they were from Kansas City. And when she said, Yeah, this is a real thing, we're going here. I mean, it's it's already spread. It's it's this much where I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in six months or six weeks from now uh, but but seriously martin thank you so very very much yes thank you martin thanks <laughs>